there. Welcome to AMO Kenzo, episode 18. We're just four bubblegum crisis boomer otaku dudes who wanted to talk about anime and stuff. Uh, and so here we are talking about stuff. Uh, the Kenzoku are Nick. Hello. Mike. Hey, y'all. Dylan. Hello. And myself, Sam. Today, we're discussing uh, a really odd, obscure OVA from 1986, uh, I believe is the release date. Uh, VHS-only release, California Crisis. It was, I guess, intended to be multiple episodes, but the production company Hero Media, I guess, ran out of money. Uh, and so it stopped at one. So <laughs> something that was like mysterious, and I guess they were hoping to reveal more later. Uh, you never get that resolution. Um, uh, oh, I guess the price of this thing on the box says was ninety eight hundred yen, which Ooh, holy moly, that's titanically expensive. Sounds about right for an eighties OVA, honestly. Crazy. Adjusted for inflation, that's a ton of money, isn't I, it? I guess, I guess Mike would know, though, but I guess that makes sense, right? Like, it, this stuff was considered super niche, like, only for the really hardcore uh, otaku era. Or for the era. rental stores. Or for VHS. Yeah, that's yeah, true. That's true. VHS rental has stores. always been very expensive. Um, yeah, not to derail too much, but yeah, like, the, the video rental store that I used all the time... Um, the area, the section that was not pirated stuff that actually had the real clamshells and stuff, I would always look at the art and look at the price. And yeah, it, it ranged from anywhere from like 7,500 yen to like, uh, like I've seen this, some as high as like 12,000 yen. So that's. Some... I guess that tracks with like CD prices, like the whole philosophy of people don't buy them. Yeah. Honestly, it kind of tracks with US VHS prices at the time too. Like it's not as much above as you would think. I remember. VHSs being like 50 to 70 bucks unless you got one that they were really trying to push for home sale as opposed to rental in which case you'd actually get it for like 20. Yeah, that's true. I, I do remember that. I remember looking at like wanting to get like the VHS of like Back to the Future or Back to the Future 2 in like 1990 or something and it was yeah, it was like 50 or 60 bucks or something and you're like, "I'm poor. I'm a child. I can't afford this." <laughs> Yeah, like a few years later when I stumbled across, across a copy of Back to the Future that they'd actually put at sale price for, you know, home people for 20 bucks, then I bought it. But yeah, I remember eyeing that $50, $70 price. I feel like this was before even Suncoast was a thing and you started seeing more videos actually meant for sale. This was at like the mainly rental store that also had some music and videos for sale that was near me called The Warehouse, I think, with a like... H, like, where as in where is it? <laughs> I think it was a chain, but I don't really know. I only, I only really got into buying stuff after Suncoast, so, like, my experience is only buying anime, which is, like, you know, 25 or 35 bucks, depending on if it was sub or dub. So, anybody want to give a brief summary of what this thing is about? Uh, it's about American Dream. American dream, yeah. American dream. That's oh yeah, literally. Yeah, it is, li oh right? yeah, literally. American dream. Yeah. That's that's what which it's about. which apparently uh, ends in Death Valley. So American dream and space mind. Um, so I'll attempt to go for a super brief summary, which is a UFO crashes somewhere out in the desert, and then people get an orb, and then it comes in the company of a twenty-eight-year-old and younger 28-year-old guy and younger woman who then end up on a road trip trying to follow the vision quest that it gave them and it takes them back to Death Valley and they get chased by commies and Air Force people. Yeah, that sounds, that's a really good summary. That's yeah, exactly, I, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah, you hit all the key points there. I, I do want to say that uh, first, plot is not good. Um, on the other hand, it's like very visually striking and it was really fun to watch. Uh, I don't know how you guys felt about that. Um, yeah, you pretty much hit the nail on the head for me. Uh, plot was hot garbage, honestly, but 
yeah. the visual style and the pacing actually really kept me in um, yeah. the whole all the segments in the in the middle where they were you know hitchhiking and going to LA like I mean I, I, I don't know I might be a bit biased because I, I live in San Diego area and it starts in the San Diego area like <laughs> well they nailed La Jolla like that's what it looked <laughs> that's definitely what it looked like back in the the 80s and honestly not too different now I mean most of the people that lived there back then still live there now but uh but yeah uh that's that's it is it, it what kept me going was not the plot was just how fascinating it looked from like an art perspective yeah what do you think Mike yeah same the style is very striking though I wouldn't say the animation is particularly good or at least it's not smooth Definitely 80s OVA choppy of not a top-tier OVA, but a lower-tier OVA. Yeah, I would, I would say it's kind of... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I agree. I think the art quality is good. Like, any individual keyframe still would probably look awesome as a poster. But overall, the animation quality was very average, I would say. Some of that is, I think, how awesome those keyframes look, because in-betweening them would have to be rough. Yeah. Yeah, they're like designed to be a like a, a still image and not a mo- moving image. Um, so yeah, with that and just as a a brief for anyone who's following along, you can find this for watch on YouTube if you look up, you search for California Crisis nineteen eighty six OVA, it will come up. And just because if you search for California Crisis on YouTube, you'll get a lot of different videos that have nothing to do with this. Yeah. California has a lot of crises. Yeah. 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 But I see what you mean. Yeah. Like the art is so weird. And it's definitely, it's not helped that it's the VHS only release. There wasn't even like a good LD master to transfer it off of. Cause there is a lot of like weird, like lots of detailed color bits and stuff there. It almost feels like one or it's like you could pull off a similar style, I think more easily and digital but then i'm not even sure if you could at all it's such a it's such a weird style just like it's like super heavy stylized shading like everywhere like it kind of gives me the impression of like you're applying the posterization filter to things a bit yeah like, I, yeah it was photos kind of yeah i was trying to think i was trying to think yeah look yeah it looks like yeah you you apply one of those like super heavy posterized effects to every single cell it reminds me a lot of um the actually the new jojo anime um especially the um diamond is unbreakable uh it has a kind of that bright uh high contrast style of art that's this show reminded me of this california crisis reminded me of Hmm. I mean, parts of it definitely, at least if, um, I, from from what I could see in the, you know, X generation, you know, copy of the YouTube video, some of the lines were even thicker than your typical, like, JoJo uh, scenes, I feel like. It was very different. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. feels like it's trying to go for a very 80s American comic style. Not that I've read many 80s American comics, but... Reminds me of like when Calvin and Hobbes goes into Spaceman Spiff on the Sunday Funnies, kind of that sort of heavy posterization. Mm, I I get what you're saying. Yeah, I I don't disagree. Yeah, like this whole thing, like the whole OVA makes me feel like the impetus for making this was that uh, some Yakuza or affiliated people needed to go on a trip to California to do some sort of like guns or drug running or some illicit thing and they needed a way to launder money so they made this OVA. <laughs> Cuz it's so crazy and you're just like and some of the there's a few things in there where you're like oh they totally went and did a lot of like scouting and stuff there like because like some of the frames and stuff you look at it and you're like oh that's like perfect like perfect english and there's no way that they that was done from anything other than just literally hey here's a photo draw this photo i can also tell you exactly where the uh actual scouting research ended it definitely ended at death valley because their portrayal of death valley was completely incorrect but everywhere else San Diego, Orange County, which only SoCal is really, you know, even know that area. And uh, 
and L.A., like, the scumminess of Hollywood, like, they portrayed that very well. Yeah, Death Valley, it looks like they looked at some striking Death Valley photos that aren't necessarily representative of most of the parts of Death Valley you would actually drive to. Exactly. I was I was thinking about that, that too, since we're, we're going to, to Death Valley, and, like, at the end kind of part of it, you look and it's like, oh, look, it's like, it's not like Death Valley, which is, like, this big, huge, like, open area. It's like, oh, look, there's, like, this little tiny valley in Death Valley. It's it's the It's the Death Valley. It's, like, 30 feet wide. That's Death Valley. <laughs> I feel like it's more like things sort of at the edges of Death Valley where you're always getting the flash flood warnings whenever there's a little rain. Yeah, that's there possible. There are little canyons like that. Yeah, it's a very uh, dreamlike interpretation of Death Valley, shall we say. <laughs> Not at all really accurate. It could have also tied in with the budgeting issues that you mentioned, because it, I didn't read about that, but that totally makes sense. If you think about the last, you know, 10 to 8 minutes of, of the, it's like, oh yeah, this is very rushed and really not well thought out. I do want to point out that, um, just to place this on the timeline of things, this is uh, just before, this is just before BGC Ep1. So Bubblegum Crisis Ep1 comes out the following year. Yeah. Seems like probably early in the OVA boom. Fairly early. I'm Trying to remember what else came out in 1986. Oh, there's got to be stuff. Um, uh, Project Echo came out in 1986, so that's... And I believe Lapita Castle in the Sky? Yep. It's 86 also? Yeah that, yeah, that was 86. Yeah, all the stuff that I had noted from the previous episode starts in 88, so this is definitely predating a lot of the really heavy hitters from the, from the massive boom of the late 80s. This was kind of at the very kind of tip of it yeah yeah it's fairly early not like dallos early but it's clearly trying to cash in on what was becoming a trend they tried hard right like i I can tell that they well somebody tried hard maybe not all parts of the production (laughs) did but uh (laughs) let's see megazone 23 was 85 so the year before for example first part anyway and part two was then 86 I feel like Megazone is kind of an outlier of, like, very, uh, well, what's the word, like, successful OVA from, you know, before the, the later 80s. I feel like it's definitely was, yeah. uh, when you look at it now, especially in hindsight, like, it was definitely ahead of the curve as far as, uh, like, what, what, an, what a good OVA should be. Didn't necessarily make that much more sense than California Crisis in... Part because it was trying to condense down what they had done for a TV show into an OVA, but definitely had pretty action when it had it. Definitely. And a concept that feels way less cool in a post-The Matrix world, but was probably pretty shocking at the time. So, later on, in uh, somewhere in like the later half of it, um, they go to a bar club thing <laughs> there's this there's the wild like almost music video <laughs> yeah i <laughs> that thought thing was kind of incredible i thought that segment was uh i thought that segment was really cool i thought it was actually like really nicely um drawn it was it, it was a cool um thing it started at uh about 21 minutes in um but then they kind of, you know, do kind of a montage between them with this very, with, uh, I think, Miho Fujiwara as the singer, who I was surprised hasn't actually done a ton of stuff, but so, so very Madonna of the, like, literally, like, Madonna music. That kind sure, of, like, yeah. po- kind of, kind of pop, mostly pop, kind of a little bit of kind of that punk influence to it. Um, it's very good. Like, that, yeah. that album is extremely good. and. In vogue now too, right? That whole style of music. Yeah, it'd be called city pop or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, city pop. Um, but yeah, I thought that whole segment was like it was. I thought honestly, I thought the band segment they had there was the nicest animated thing in the whole in the whole thing and I in the whole show. And I think part of it for me, like why I think it ended up being well, was because it was a little more, uh, kind of just more brightly colored and contrast between the stuff and they had less of like the detail which i think got a little bit washed out at times 
um, with more of the figures. So they're able to kind of like have it be animated a little bit, uh, a little nicer there. Um, but that was a, that was a fun segment there. I was kind of driven crazy that the uh, music did not at all match the animation. Like, no. <laughs> there's like a guy with a saxophone, and like he's playing clearly, like solo, but like on the screen solo, and like I don't really hear any saxophone except for like at certain, maybe a little bit. <laughs> like, it was kind of wild. Around that same time, because I I got a little bit obsessed with this, so I took like minute sub sub minute level breakdowns of stuff so th- this is kind of when somehow it's at uh set n- nine at night and they're in los angeles and like looks like you know like downtown somewhere um and uh so there's a couple a couple things here i'll go for the the small one here first which is they rock walk by rocky one there's no indication of two three four or five in the theater um rocky one came out in 1976 <laughs> <laughs> so maybe their theater was doing a 10-year revival yeah that could be maybe that's where they're just putting a movie up there that they they liked that's possible yeah yep. also possible but i mean we forget just how much you know revival screenings were a thing they still are to an extent but not to the same degree that they were before everything was out on home video that's true that's a that's a fair point so it is it is plausible that it was somewhere there and is, when they're going and doing some sort of backroom deal someone took a photo of a place playing Rocky. So you mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Um like when the old Fleabag movie theater in Slow burned down in the 70s, it was showing Snow White and that obviously was not a new movie at the time, but Disney did their re-release their animated features every 7 years for a long time before they started doing the vault thing on moving that model to video. Um, Also in downtown Los Angeles, I'm not sure if it's there anymore, but at the time there was a club Waffen SS. (laughs) What? Uh, Yeah. If you go go to a minute, uh, 20 minutes, 24 seconds, you'll see that they are outside of club club Waffen W A F F E N. And then, uh, Nazi Nazi SS symbols on the sign. Yikes. I'm going to say that they <laughs> they probably did not find a actual place like that and they just put that in there. Yeah, that feels like something 80s Japanese animators would do. That yeah. or when they were uh doing the observation they were uh plastered and drunk and so this is their rough approximation of what the sign said in their memory. Yeah, like maybe it was a biker bar patronized by Hell's Angels or something, I don't know. And they just stylized the con like that was their takeaway. But that's the most charitable explanation I can come up with. I would I would say the most charitable is they just made shit. Yeah. Cause yeah, I can't see that club staying open in LA for long, even in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Buy drug. I, I... Oh yeah, buy, definitely buy drug and car. <laughs> yeah. That's where they get their It'll second car. It's a place with a big pink car on a thing that says car on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, going totally on a tangent here. So I also tried to kind of like lay out how much driving. So to go from San Diego and they acknowledge and go up I-5, uh, they kind of Tootle around there. I haven't done the actual time mileage breakdown, but they go from San Diego. They clearly state that they're in Los Angeles and they're definitely in downtown Los Angeles. And then they're outside Edwards Air Force Base. And then they get to to Death Valley. Um, total miles there is about, uh, you know, over, about 450 miles. Um, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, like from Los Angeles to Edwards is a while, and then it's like it's like getting from Edwards Air Force Base like to Death Valley is like that's like two hundred miles. Um, but it's also yeah, possible. Really kind of hand wave yeah. that part. <laughs> I, I'm just I gonna mean... go ahead and say that they were all they were all riding high on the space mind at that point. <laughs> <laughs> And they the, didn't actually the route do. was super roundabout for sure because if your their goal was to get to Death Valley, then it's much faster to straight shot from San Diego up 15, 
up the 15 across um across the uh the mountains up up the high desert straight to death valley like that's a way more efficient than going going super roundabout to la like that's the complete oh, yeah. opposite direction so well but, i guess he was still trying to go to his job in la at first wasn't that's he? true yeah I, I i'm not gonna lie i don't remember a ton of the plot points so yeah, you know yeah. and here's what i'm trying to figure because the news reporter meggie m-e-g-g-i meggie reports that there is a uh, a meteorite that fell in pine valley pine valley is like roughly 45 minutes east of san diego and um, I, I did do, I did a little bit of looking up on this. They they said the meteorite was like a sixty three foot diameter, weighing thirty six tons, which um, would have looked, destroyed California. No, it actually I I looked at I looked up a side at that, and it wouldn't have destroyed. But Pine <laughs> Valley is no more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Pine Valley is gone. Pine Valley is not very big to be. Oh, um, with the uh, highly radioactive material. So I'm just realizing now. I'm like, so if that's where this thing like. I guess the thing really just wanted a nice American dream trip to Death Valley because it crashed nowhere near Death Valley. I was kind of thinking it was like, oh, it like crashed in Death Valley and it was trying to get back there. But it's like, no, no, it was nowhere near that. I mean, I just assume it wanted to go to the secret base where they maybe had another thing that it was trying to get to. Yeah, I couldn't figure if that was something or not. Either that or it just latched onto the like, tourist postcard they'd seen on the wall of the diner before they touched it (laughs) (laughs) it's right has nothing to do with what the orb actually wanted (laughs) yeah that's that that's possible too like i am going to turn the hallucinogens to max on the last thing you just happened to glance at yeah that's it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean that's entirely possible so the uh it's pretty clear that they had to really bypass exposition on lots of parts because of of aforementioned budgeting issues so well i don't know i actually i i i liked that they didn't just explain everything and i i kind of think that they were hoping that they would get to explain more of it and that's episodes. I, I do agree that is part of the charm of just kind of like these are two people who are kind of just having an adventure off the cuff at from you know from the whims of a you know whatever you know let's call her a young 20 year old you know spunky girl who decided to try to to have fun with an alien mind of some kind (laughs) i mean yeah i I, again i i i mean i was willing to overlook a lot of stuff for this i'm not gonna lie (laughs) yeah yeah what was her deal anyways like why was she so invested in it i I mean the only plot before the the whole thing with the mind that we know was she was trying to get to la and that was about it right yep um her her so we can talk about license plates for a second her her vehicle was a uh uh a motorcycle with a new york state license plate of lady is that that was her motorcycle's plate uh on noera's uh his i'm not sure if it was a cadillac it was a classic chrysler 300 of some sort well here's okay so unless unless i'm crazy so the vehicle itself lists its we'll go into we'll go we'll take a divergent to noera's vehicle here so it looks like something else but i was looking up and i could be wrong because i'm not a, a super gearhead but like the Chrysler 300, which is what they list the vehicle as, was not produced until 2004. So how did he even That's know? That's the current incarnation in honor there... of the original one, which was like 50s through 70s. Oh, okay. See, there oh, you go. There we go. Source, I looked this up when Dad bought the earlier version of the current incarnation, which was 99 through 04, which was the 300 <sighs> And okay. when you think about the era of if it was the 80s, that would have made definitely made it like a very classic car. So that does seem to add up then. Okay, that that helps explain because I was like, "What in the hell? Like, what is happening here?" Okay, um, his his license car. his license plate was Cali- <laughs> yeah, that thing Cal- got beat to hell. Was a California license plate? It's baby. Which fun? I, I was talking about this earlier uh, uh, off podcast, but it's that sounds like a very like uh, like Gen Z kind of phrase. So it was way way <laughs> way ahead of its time by today's standards oh yeah i could totally hear an 18 year old today being like oh how's it going man it's baby 
It is baby. It's baby. I am baby. A space, yeah, space baby. mind baby. Space, space baby. Yeah, like for a car he cared about enough to put a vanity plate it's baby on, he sure didn't seem to act too attached to it when it got trashed. No, yeah. no, he really didn't. Either that he, or he knew what he was going into for the next thing, so that's why he wanted to get their their crap truck, which is also <laughs> the greatest vehicle ever produced, apparently. Yeah. I do want to point out though that the the Chrysler, they like literally drive off a cliff and then after that they drive away on the beach in that car. Unscathed. Yeah, yeah it's and fine. I'm trying to figure out that beach because that looked like the way they that beach got rendered it looked more like you know i was imagining it as the rocky coast near like we have near slow in or other mm. places where you have steep cliffs that you based can on where it could have been and i it's I, I i i'm not the most observant driver but it could have been around carl's bad ish area or oceanside is more what i'm thinking where which is which does have some like roads above beach at points mm-hmm. i want to say so i could completely be incorrect about this and they could have just been making it up. but there are parts where you can definitely drive off and hit sand uh i i don't think the car would be uh <laughs> completely untouched like it was but you know for the sake of anime let's call it you know oh, it's, yeah. it's fine they definitely but... drove that off a cliff yeah <laughs> for sure. um but they got that ford right yeah yeah and they get the ford with the uh the fake license plate of california native what that's what it says yep yep Yep, I remember that. And then I I gotta say the uh, the whole sequence at the end where it systematically falls apart—that's like one of the best extended scenes of a car being completely demolished and still being functional that I can think of <laughs> ever. To be honest, it was like paper. Yeah, it was yeah. just it was like literally falling apart, uh, like disintegrating into nothing, and they were still driving the ever loving crap out of it. Yeah, like. Whatever kind of crappy Ford that is clearly is more survivable than even a Toyota Hilux. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that the the brand names of, of cars that I noticed prominently, one was Ford, and then the other was Honda being that like sign. Mm-hmm. They like get utterly destroyed. Like the Ford gets ripped to shreds. And then the Honda sign they drive a car through? Like, I don't know. Were they trying to send some kind of message? That was, <laughs> Maybe that was the Yakuza to- putting it's, a it's Toyota, message. Toyota propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There was also a Datsun, though that was, I think, in Mirror. That's possible. There was a truck that definitely said Datsun on it. I think Back it was just parked the days, somewhere. And the I days when nobody cared. <laughs> a pink hot dog sign at one point, too. Oh, yeah, that yeah. was... Things would have been Hollywood. That's definitely Hollywood. So yeah, that that adds up with all the LA scenes. Like that, pretty much exact. The whole scene portrayed pretty much exactly what Hollywood nightlife was back in the like eighties and nineties. It was very yeah happening, very loud and very uh, drug fueled. So, um, with weird loud drug fuels. So uh, basically, about like seven and a half minutes in, they kind of they get the the space mind fever dream. You know, figure out they have to go to to. Death Valley, and then later it's not even until like twenty minutes in we find out that uh, Mina Tominaga, the the main woman's name is Marsha. Um, but she just says like American Dream, and then there's another line at like ten minutes where they're like they say like it's not like I hate Ludlum, and I can't figure out what the heck they mean. Does does anyone else know they like mean Ludlum, the spy novel author, like the spy who came in from the cold? Okay. Robert Ludlum. Okay, that's and the creator, or is it? Sorry, not. Never mind. The creator of the Bourne series. I was. Oh, thinking. that's yeah. That's oh. But those novels were those novels were somewhat. Sorry, uh, those... the spy who came in from the cold was John Le Carre. I get my like spy novel authors confused sometimes. It's been a while since I've read them. But, yeah. Um, Let's see. Yeah, the born, first born, born book came out in 1980. Yeah. Um, and they yeah. had a bunch of... So he had a bunch of stuff that he had sold before, but 
I, I was what just was trying to I, figure like, what is the point? It was so, there's so many crazy lines there. I was like, what is that? What hap- did she say that in response to? Um, I didn't write the context of this. I, I just marked the time. Uh, so I, I, uh, I don't well, have that. Let's see. The Born Supremacy came out in February 86. I don't know how long it would have taken to translate to Japan. Probably a lot longer then, but, um. Yeah, probably it would many have, years. It, it might have been something that was current and highly promoted when they were doing their location scouting, if they were. But then, it, although I would keep in mind that this is intended for a Japanese audience, so like you'd expect them to not be making obscure American references. Yeah, that's yeah, that's why I was kind of like, okay, what what are they even like talking about? Unless he was like super popular at the time and we're just out of that time so we don't know but or maybe it's not saying Ludlum maybe they're saying something else I I honestly did not pay attention nearly enough to the scene to give (laughs) give my input so I'm just I'm just nodding in agreement with everybody because it's who knows (laughs) I I mean the whole movie is very fever dreams yeah it definitely is very yeah fever fever dreams a great description it just kind of goes all over the place so I didn't get the part where he he splits up with the girl and he's like, uh, no, I'm going to go to my job or whatever. And then he like goes, drives his car around the block and he just parks it and he sees the truck with the whatever, the general or whoever. And I didn't even know what was going on at that time until it like, you know, zooms in on the conversation. Like, how did he spot that what the heck oh yeah it's so that part is totally that part is totally insane because like yeah how loud were they talking across the street that he overheard them well also yeah like he kind of like says all right whatever i'm out of here and then like goes and then yeah he stops and then he happens to stop literally like across the street from captain kane who is sitting in like a cadillac wearing a suit but he's like supposed to be a United States Air Force captain because these other people like report to him. And then out of nowhere, a military jeep goes flying up to him like and they happen yeah. to be right next to Noera who. And then, yeah, he also the captain is sitting in the back of this Cadillac and he's like he is sipping. He's literally looks like he's like sipping tea out of some like super fancy China cup like he's in some sort of like Grey Poupon commercial or something. <laughs> Um, and, and then we, at that point, at that point, they say that the drivers of the Dodge, the Dodge vehicles, they were from the Kremlin. Oh yeah. And they also make a comment and I, I'm writing off the subtitles here, uh, cause I didn't have enough to, you know, also go and verify this. I'll I'll just say, I'll I'll say the subtitles I'll say are, they seem good enough, but it says, says the line of, okay, well put off the work on the electrolysis. Yeah. I don't know. What does that mean? (laughs) Also, now they're totally convinced that Noera and Marsha have this thing for no real reason. I mean, they're right, but yeah, why? (laughs) Were they not chased or was it just they were just chased by the Kremlin? So they don't really know. They were chased. They've been chased by the Kremlin at that point. And then after that, the Kremlin is done. And then we go to the U.S. Air Force chasing them. Or I guess, wouldn't they know it from the... Because I presumably it was the the U.S. Air Force driving the truck, and then the the Ruskies tried to hijack it. Yes, yeah. these guys just kind of ran off with that's from and the that's yeah, how the that's Air how Force the... didn't stick around to see them. The Air Force just hit the remote, blow up the other truck switch. <laughs> yeah, but at that time they already knew there was two civilians involved, and they had a rough description of them. So, um. But that 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 is that is correct, and it took me it took me two watches through and taking notes to be like, okay, hang on, all right, that's actually what's happening with these trucks and the other vans and everything, because it is a it is a hurricane of of stuff. <laughs> well, bef- before we move on, I just want to bring up for me what the most important part of it was was uh, we haven't talked about is uh, Marsha has a companion the oh, entire yeah. time who. <laughs> Doesn't get a ton of screen time, but still is omnipresent, which was her cat, Fumia. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah, that was wild. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's probably because like they're like, well, if you have a, you know, a spunky female lead, we need to have a cute mascot or something with her. So let's give her a, a fluffy Persian cat. I'm assuming it was a Persian because of its, if the way it was, how fluffy it was. But, um, yeah, it really I doesn't. It didn't really do well. I mean, not that I expect a cat to do anything, obviously. I know being a cat owner, I can speak, <laughs> attest to that. But, you know, in in the anime scope, you expect it to do a bit more <laughs> than just yeah. kind of be dead weight the whole time, which is basically what it was. But, I mean, it stuck around and survived all of the, the, the madness that, that uh, Norda and, and Marsha did. So I guess that's saying something. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't even really realize it was there until like the last half or whatever. I don't know, some part later. Yeah, I had the same. I had the same experience the first time too. I was like, "Wait, where the hell did this cat come from? When did she get a cat?" Then yeah. I watched it through a second time with lots of pausing. I'm like, "Oh, it was there the whole time. It was like that weird gray lump." Yeah, it was like <laughs> it was like kind of like strapped to her back seat ish on on the motorcycle and then it somehow miraculously survives all the litany of crashes that they all survive somehow so it's like the the sixth sense except you find out that oh the cat was there the whole time <laughs> maybe the cat was the space mind i mean it could be in the later episodes yeah. like uh we do find out there's cat has something to it Maybe, maybe you know it. Uh, what if they were we were allowed? They were allowed to progress from where it ended. You know, the the leaky space mind ended up inhabiting the cat, and now the cat is the neo space mind. And <laughs> oh they... yeah, the leaky space mind. That was kind of wild. That that ending. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we can we can cut we can cut right there. I I tried to write out the words because it was just like so crazy. Like. The end sequence are like being chased by the three helicopters. Like they fly their truck in and take out one. Then the captain, he's chasing after them and he gets in a helicopter crash and walks away. You, you, no one has ever <laughs> yeah. walked away from a helicopter crash, like ever. Um, like, and then it's like, yeah, so then they're driving and then they jump up, they cut, they, fall out of their vehicle into like this lake, like a hundred feet down at the bottom of death Valley. And then like Marsha's holding onto the space mind as hard as she can kind of let's go and grabs it again. Then they like both touch it and kind of float up. And then the lake is just like overflowing with colors, like a not well animated version of Gundam movie three. Um, and then there's a <laughs> rainbow and then they're sitting on the store and yeah, the space mind ball is cracked and the space mind is drained out of it. And then Marsha blinks a couple times. You zoom out, there's helicopter sounds and, and it's over. Yep. That also, underwater they... scene was wild too. Like... Yeah, definitely. Like the whole ending seemed like they had like almost like it was mimicking like those, you know, the seventies and eighties era, like uh war movies where you just hear like the ominous sound of a helicopter approaching and it just fades out. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, and then you're just filled with massive disappointment because, like, all this, and we end up with an awkward silence and a stare into a cracked crystal ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was not expecting that ending. It, it was kind of, um, like on the one hand, it's a letdown, but on the other hand, I kind of feel like that open ended kind of closure worked for it like it it worked in its favor that i didn't i didn't feel like like if i didn't read that there was supposed to be more i wouldn't have known i wouldn't have guessed right like it feels like it got closure at the end even if it is kind of a uh i don't know a whatever that's true like they didn't really spend any time heavy-handedly explaining anything in the film so why why bother explaining the ending like that would not be on on brand with how they already established kind of the pacing of it so i do see see a point there uh afterwards definitely could have done another episode from that point with you know whatever the consequences of space mind leaking onto them were yeah yeah you could have i mean there's the whole part with the captain at the end where he's trying to get it uh like he's trying to get it back and he's like, ha ha, you guys don't even know what to do with space mind. 
And that's where you were like, come on, give me a little exposition. Tell me what I'm supposed to do with Space Mind. And he's like, no, yeah. I'm not telling anybody. Nobody knows what to do with Space Mind. Watch. What Space Mind really lets you do is enhance on any photo you happen to be looking at. Like expanding on my, <laughs> that was the photo they saw on the wall here. Enhance. Enhance. <laughs> I do, I, like I do wonder, like not to knock it too much but like if they were um better storytellers shall we say that like it would have been even worse you know like they I, I do i do kind more. of i do kind of see what you're trying to say i think the fact that the story was told so so horrendously actually was to its benefit yeah yeah it, it's just like leaves more mystery and kind of like oh what i mean certainly parts like don't make sense at all when you try and when you really think about them but that kind of ambiguity while you're watching it in the moment uh is kind of nice i guess if you're willing to not think too hard i mean it's hard to really avoid some of the stuff in there that's like what the heck is that that doesn't make any sense but i don't know i was pretty quickly able to kind of turn my mind off and enjoy the the pretty pictures and get back into it yeah you I think that's fair. There's so many crazy one-liners in it too. Like when they're driving away from at uh, 30 minutes in when they, when they buy the, the truck that does not die. Like Marcia says, thank you. Like she says, like, like, thank you, Mexico bonsai. (laughs) (laughs) What? Like we're not, they didn't somehow then also get back down to Mexico. That, That was what they bought from car. Yes, the not Mexican car dealer selling the California plated native Californian Ford. They ripped that guy off. I can't remember that. He he was trying to sell it for twelve hundred. Twelve hundred. And then she's like, she's like, and Nuero was totally just going to pay up, be like, whatever. And then she's like, well, hang on a second here. the The back of it's all rusted. It's a hundred bucks off, and the tires are trash that's owner bucks off and the springs are trash that's owner bucks off so she was yeah. she was a shrewd negotiator yeah it's like a nightmare customer <laughs> like but he, but hey the, talking about? the salesman <laughs> salesman took it he didn't have to i know right <laughs> you could have just said buzz off right like, yeah i already priced that in <laughs> yeah and that's like almost like i mean that's a very very much the opposite experience you especially of that era you would see with a you know, theoretical couple walking into a car a lot, right? Like it's it's always like even now, like you know, it's they've done st- independent studies where like if women are the ones intending to make the purchase, they're talked down to, and you know, given given yeah. from your deals, like it's a very yeah, very uh, progressive kind of take on it, which which is all well and well and great. Um, that is true. I feel like I've seen essentially that scene in a movie, though not necessarily with the male and female character of like but i could be spacing just because i've watched california crisis too many times now (laughs) i'm just like clicking through this video and i really am captivated by their uh dedication to the art style like yeah yeah. i found i found a a very high-res scan of the vhs cover and i'm just i've literally been staring at it for like the last eight minutes like looking (laughs) at details of it yeah I think my biggest knock on the art style is sometimes the eyes get a little uncanny valley for me, and I'm not sure how much of that's the VHS degradation applied to the art style or yeah some of the uh some of the some of those frames if you get there they're just like super insane looking like I was just looking at one that made me feel like I'm losing my losing my mind at the at the frame i i paused at on there where marsh's eyes are like yeah the just the thousand yard stare uh, no they're not eyes i'm pretty sure she's i'm pretty sure she's got the space mind there's literally like no pupils <laughs> it's like <laughs> and it's one of those things you're like yeah i can't tell if it was like they drew it that way or if that was you know so yeah like one of those vhs degradation issues so i want i want to let's see a couple of things i i definitely want to bring up here which is like i was shocked and then like just like uh in in the best way to hear that uh immediately that was uh mina tominaga as the as marcia's voice actors because she's 
she's fabulous once again the fat labor uh connection she's uh wait what what is she noah oh oh let's say is she noah yeah no Izumi. yeah yep uh, she's the she's the main main character in hard i mean pat yeah. labor one of my all-time favorite female leads in all of media honestly so yeah i heard her voice i mean it was like oh my god it's that makes yeah, sense. The spunk, no. yeah, the spunkiness did yeah. feel very nostalgic. <laughs> yeah, and like she's she's great and 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 fun as it there. And then the other thing I want to talk about, not as good. Like I want to talk about Noir's drinking habits because oh my goodness, <laughs> <laughs> like the movie starts out at like, uh, like two. It starts out like at like something like early in the morning because sun's coming up and he's like leaving this thing having like drunk a bottle of whiskey or so and he's like oh man i must be a bit drunk and then proceeds to fly out of there at high speeds like th- <laughs> yeah, thanks smart. 80s thanks good job <laughs> 80s and i tried to mark down all the different places he takes like has various drinks he has like i think the, the ones you see on screen he has like eight or nine drinks in this thing like every time he's just like downing a beer or like a bottle of whiskey uh chasing it like he is just every single time he's just drinking and then marcia tries to bribe him with beers um yeah. and being that it's the 80 it's always uh coors uh not not that coors light you know straight up 80 style just regular coors and then some trash bottle of trash whiskeys that he drinks like the whole bottle of like i'm pretty sure he drinks about like probably like two fifths of like whiskey and then like three or four beers as well. And it's always hard to tell how much has a problem. It always, it's hard to tell him. It's always hard to tell how much time has passed, but I feel like this thing is like, what, like two days maybe. Or so. Yeah. Yeah. Around two to three days. Yeah. Um, So far as we know, he's not superhuman, like being bandit who probably could, still drive after that case of bud he ordered at the drive in or drive through no drive in yeah well he's also this guy's also on uh space mind so like maybe that helps him that could yeah work. maybe it's absorbing the alcohol and that's what actually leaked out at the end <laughs> yeah. or maybe the alcohol is his vision uh, <laughs> there is no space mind Hey, I was looking for the pink elephants. Why the hell am I seeing Death Valley? Yeah, it's a pretty boring <laughs> reward. Oh yeah, one one thing I forgot that I wanted to discuss what uh, as far as like the time, you know, the passage of time and the you know the re- reality of it. So they're at some point they're in Orange County and then the car breaks down and then if I recall they. Did they hitchhike or did they walk to Hollywood? I I was under the impression that they just started walking. Yeah, so yeah, I felt that. because yeah, if they clear. walked from Orange County to Hollywood, that's uh, that's about forty fifty miles through Los Angeles. So you're not doing that in a few hours. That's like a you know. Let's see what let's let's see, let's see what Mister Google Maps says. They say uh, that would be a fifteen hour walk according to Google Maps. <laughs> well, if if we're to believe that things happen in time at. Uh... Movie time at 14 minutes 12. We were, we were at Air Force, we were at Edwards Air Force Base, and it was at uh, 17:14, so like 5:15 p.m. And then a little bit later, it tells us we're in Orange County, and Noera has another drink. Um, and then it's like, um, and then there's the segment with uh, Captain Kane in the Cadillac, and. Um, and then uh, its baby finally dies, and then, <laughs> and then they're in Los, they're in downtown Los Angeles by uh, twenty fifty one. So by like basically like nine p.m. the The only thing I would say is it's not clear that the car necessarily died directly in Orange County. That's like for some reason they were in Orange County. And then they were driving towards L.A. and it died somewhere there. But yeah, it yeah, was still it died on a like palm lined boulevard. So I'm not sure exactly where that was, given that there are I mean, plenty of them. Oh, uh, yeah. So go. So it, they walked somewhere between five and 50 miles in like a, two hours. 
all drunk. <laughs> or at least Noera was drunk. See, the more the more we discuss this, the more convinced I am that it may be literally just like the first time they touched the space mind, like they've just been like space minding out, like vision questing the whole time. But there's literally the whole thing that they're just like sitting there in, <laughs> in the diner. Yeah, still just sitting there in the diner. And people are like, dude, do not touch them. They've been there. They haven't moved in like two days. <laughs> like they are on something. You get near them and they just like start like screaming and it's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was kind of expecting an ending like that, to be honest. Like it would be like something like it was all a dream or whatever. Ro- Rosebud, the ending. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or 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 Bud Light, the ending. Yeah. Also, like as much as those Apaches trashed that truck, they seriously gimped the Apaches in order to not utterly obliterate it. By them just shooting the fifty cal gun or whatever it is, rather than yeah, I mean they were just shooting the thirty millimeter chain gun, and they weren't even you know using the helmet mounted targeting on it. They were just firing it straight, or just picking up the truck with the that gun is on a turret. It can aim at pretty much anything the pilot can see. Though I'm not sure how public those capabilities would have been because the Apache just entered service in april 86 oh so there's no way Hmm. so yeah that helicopter was the new hotness but and forget about the hellfire missiles which would utterly obliterate the truck but i noticed they didn't have any on the wings well i think that they were too busy thinking about space mind to care about helicopter accuracy yeah, which is how you know it wasn't, you know, a Kenichi Sonata joint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That and the, uh, the gun sounds. Yeah, it, and the engine sounds. Yeah, the, gu- the guns were literally like, I've never heard literally a, a cap gun just recorded as the gun sound. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there we go, we got there. Other than the music, I would say that, yeah, the audio is not great in this thing. Uh, but it's also hard to separate that from the... Uh, VHS. VHS master. Yeah. It's po- yeah, that's possible too. My I think my other favorite uh audio thing was uh uh like 23 minutes in when they like dump duck into the club um after their battle with the commies um and like the band is playing that everyone's like yeah 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 <laughs> like just literally <laughs> Like that's it was the most It's like on a loop. Not it wasn't quite on a loop, but it was the most like inauthentic yeah. Yay. Like And then he just heard. blurts out what was Jack, his buddy's Jack name? Jack Va- Jack Varro. Yeah. And yeah. then everybody Awkward. it's like you hear the record <laughs> yeah. screech yeah. and like screech. everybody just goes quiet. I'm like, huh. Interesting. Yeah, and also like why he didn't talk to Jack at all about the space mind. That's probably a good thing to not talk about, but I mean, it probably would have been better for his health or at least couldn't have been worse to have talked about it, come clean and just abandoned the project right there. But then again, we already know, you know, taking the safe choice is not what this OVA is about. (laughs) Yeah, actually he knew his friend was in the, military right yep he knew he was in the air yeah. force and stationed at at edwards and yeah, basically so. said enough to essentially give it away that he was looking for it yeah so it makes sense why he wouldn't want it for all he knows they all want him dead right so but it doesn't seem like he really cares about that actually that was another thing because <laughs> uh his friends his friend was in one of the three helicopters was his yeah, friend the say, one who wasn't... was the was the was his friend the one who piloted and literally just like point blank tried to just like shoot him in the face a million times that's yes. what oh, yeah. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. yeah, right. So yeah, so it definitely was a. Uh, if he knew, that, if his friend knew, then he certainly didn't care enough to about his, you know, about in order to uh, not try to horribly massacre him. So yeah, I thought he was kind of. Um, I got the impression that he was uh, duty over friendship kind of thing. He felt like he was doing his duty, whereas like the. Um, was it the captain or whatever of the base was seemed more power hungry? Uh, yeah, which would, again probably would have made an interesting 
plot line to tug at for further episodes that the conflict between those two the ca- the captain archetypes. is the the uh captain kane that's right that dude's crazy so when they're so that that part also is super insane like they drive up to the fence at edwards air force base they look at it then out of nowhere the captain is just like chasing after them immediately in a vehicle knows them yeah. still wearing a suit starts shooting at them yeah. he jumps in the <laughs> he jumps in the back of their pickup truck from his car and then they crash the pickup truck and like you clearly see the captain's neck hit against the back of like the back of the pickup truck like the um the back sharp part like of the bed like the part that opens down um, oh, the tailgate. Yeah, the tailgate. Yeah, his his neck clearly hits against that thing. So I'm like, how is he? How does he still have a head attached to his body from his neck hitting that at like, you know, whatever sixty miles an hour? Um, but you know, that, Captain's it's, a tough it's guy. That hung, it's that it's that hunger for the space mind, you know. It's, he's got to have that. He's got to have that. That's how he also walks away from a helicopter crash. I mean, no joke. I, I mean, I get the impression that he has had a taste of um, a space mind or, or some other kind of alien thing, and that's why he's so intent on getting space mind. Yeah. He's Maybe have... having touched space mind explains his survivability and the survivability of the truck. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I mean, right? Like, he's he's uh, he's been touched by something, so he's stronger than most. He, he's just built Ford tough, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, not this Ford. Tough. Yeah, you're right. That Ford was built like a paper mache. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's uh, probably a good place to to start wrapping up here. Uh, does anybody else want to get in some final thoughts about California crisis before we uh, sign off here? Uh, Dylan, would, would you got any final thoughts? Um, one, American dream. American dream. Two... Everyone who's listening to this should definitely watch this because it's it's a ton of fun and it's 45 minutes and you'll be glad that you watched it. Agreed. I second that. Um, Mike, any final parting thoughts? I'm impressed we've managed to talk about this for 15 minutes longer than its own runtime. <laughs> <laughs> it's intriguing. Yeah. Uh, all right. Nick, parting uh, thoughts? Parting thoughts. Yeah, give it a watch. I mean, it's 45 minutes that you won't get back, but you probably won't hate all 45 <laughs> minutes of it. And I feel like uh, any native SoCalers may get some kicks out of some of the alternatingly hyper-accurate and super-inaccurate uh, representations of uh, of the territory. Yeah, I do feel like it depicts the kind of divey California coastal mid late century construction better than I remember having seen in anime otherwise. I, I, I totally agree. I do definitely think that it does a great job of showing the real Southern California, which is honestly kind of expansive, fairly suburby ish in lots of areas, and uh not nearly as glamorous looking as most anime portrays it to be. Cough, you're under arrest, cough. <laughs> yes. Indeed. I would say, especially from the 80s and 90s, I feel like a lot of anime like glorified, you know, being from LA. Like, uh. Yeah, like, you know, the like I was. For Lupin the Third Part 3 is all like Santa Monica Pier and neon colors and just makes you feel like they thought Southern California was the coolest place in the universe in the mid 80s. I mean, it's. it's LA is a weird place. It's like a. It, you, you almost have to get institutionalized in it because having (laughs) being an insider who got out like don't get me wrong there are parts of la that are great like the food culture is great there's a lot of just a huge amount of cool things to see but it even back in the 80s it was already like really crowded and just a pain to get anywhere because you had to have a car freeways are always crowded like there's a lot to also complain about in la and i would definitely not call it a glamorous city to be in unless you're like one of the hyper wealthies people that can afford you know multi-million dollar mansions and live in you know malibu or bel-air or or beverly hills or what have you but 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely. I, if you talk to, I would say nine out of ten people, Los Angelinos. If you talk to them, they will definitely say, "Yeah, I'll stay. I stay in LA because of this or that." But they wouldn't glorify the city. Yeah, this this uh, I guess this show or this this OVA gives it the uh, the proper uh, I don't know dirtying up that it deserves. Definitely. Cool. Well, I'll just say that uh, I agree with everybody here. You, you should watch this. Uh doesn't take much time, and you'll be entertained one way or the other. You won't feel like you wasted your time. All right. Uh, and with that, uh, this is AMO Kenzoku signing off. Sarabha.